Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And, of course, they have Junior Bergen T-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Gus, the first meal I had outside my own home following the quarantine was at your house. Brought over a bunch of meat. I brought over my Alpine Touch, but I didn't bring it home. I forgot it at your place. Our first meal was made better, as every meal is made better by Alpine Touch on basically everything. I put Alpine Touch hickory smoke on my cereal in the morning. <laughs> It's, it's reached that level of usage. And the fact that you left it, I knew that you left it at my house. You brought it over, left it at my house. And like a real jerk, I said nothing to you because I was like, well, that's mine, dude. That's it. You came to my house. You left it in my house. And I'm eating all of it. We've gotten so far into this Alpine Touch obsession, I think, that I just think we might be able to host a podcast about all the things that you can make with Alpine Touch. It would be short. Everything. (laughs) They have a bunch of different varieties of spices, as we know. Uh, They are local from the state of Montana. Shoto, shout out, original Alpine Touch. And it's great when it's not just local, when it's not just supporting the state of Montana, but when it's also actually the best thing that you can get. I mean, when it comes to spices, uh, it's second to none. So, boys and girls, use your Alpine Touch. Colter, tell them where they can get it. AlpineTouch.com, no matter where you're at in the entire world listening to this, if you are in the United States of America and you make an order of over $50, which, you know, if you get yourself the Grand Slam and maybe some barbecue sauce, some sunflower seeds, you're there. Free shipping anywhere in the United States of America right now. Uh, so go to AlpineTouch.com. They're rolling out all their summer Big Mountain flavor packages. The sunflower shoots are really, really good as well. Alpine Touch has got you covered. Alpine Touch, Montana's special spice. Now from the Kurtz Polaris studio, here is Ryan Tutel and Coulter Nuanez. Some of the fallout from lost revenue may be impacting Eastern Washington University first or perhaps hardest 
when it comes to athletics. It is to tell Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. Howdy. Great to be with all of you across the state, across western Montana, and how about around the world on the World Wide Web? It is, after all, you know, the whole planet there. 1029ESPN.com. You go there to the website. You listen live all the time on the stream. The stream is available thanks to Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. And if you'd like to call, you can certainly do that. 361-3688. 361-3688. Area code 406. Perhaps you've heard of it. 361-3688. All guests join us via the Rangich Brothers RV phone line. Uh, Coulter, Eastern Washington, uh, there's a story about a month ago in the Spokesman Review by our uh, our colleague, Ryan Collingwood, about the state of affairs financially with the athletic department. Uh, we had Aaron Best on this show as part of our Big Sky Football Coaches Series. He said that he had you know, basically donated or accepted a 10% pay cut uh, amidst everything that was going on, understanding that the university was in a tough financial circumstance. Uh I don't know. Here's a couple things that I don't understand, and you can flesh all this out for us, okay? But sure. at, all universities are, are going to be losing money and have lost some money as a result of the pandemic. They and, and basically every other money either making or needing institute in America, in the world, in, yeah. in a lot of instances, yep. have, have, have taken some sort of hit. Yep. So I understand that. It has seemed, and we've talked to a lot of people on this, that if you were going to have a pandemic from an athletics, collegiate athletics standpoint, this was the time to have it. In the spring, when the revenue sports were basically over, I know you lose the NC2A tournament. That's massive for several schools and teams and so on. That's big. But... It has not yet affected football. It certainly is going to have a negative effect on football at some level, but not to the negation we expect of the of the games themselves and hopefully ways in which schools can find ways to create revenue out of what is their biggest money revenue generator. And in some cases, many schools, their only revenue generating sport. For Eastern Washington then, these losses were projected to some extent already. So there's right. they've had I mean they they've had a deficit and by the way having a deficit almost all the in fact in fact all the athletic departments yep. in the Big Sky Conference operate at a deficit they need money from the institution in order to to make their budgets and that includes Montana and Montana State it's just how much and the University of Montana has taken the least amount I think 35% of their budget comes from the institution on average or has in the most recent numbers I saw Montana State about half many schools are between 50 60 and even 70 or 80% of their budgets are coming from the institution so that is not really new news so with all that as sort of uh, broad questions and 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 context flesh out for us specifically what's going on in Cheney right here. Well, Eastern Washington was already facing a five million dollar athletic department deficit. Mm-hmm. What is happening in Cheney is the is here here's the facts of the matter. Eastern Washington is one of the best athletic departments in the Big Sky Conference in terms of their on field on court success. Winning, yes. They have been the most, they were the team of the decade, I would say. In, well, no, I wouldn't say. They were the team of the decade in the Big Sky Conference from 2010 to 2020. For football. And for football. Yep. They, they made it to the semifinals five times, and they won the only national championship that the league claimed the, the, in the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. In men's basketball, they've been perennially competitive, and this most recent year won uh, the league outright for, I think, the second time in the last decade, third time ever in school history. 
And, you know, they played the Big Sky Tournament Championship game two years in a row before this most recent regular season title. Women's basketball, they've been pretty good. They haven't been as good in the tournament. So because they've been good, they have to pour resources into it. But also, them being good has not garnered any additional revenue hardly at all. And that's the they're in a conundrum because I think that there was four schools in the Big Sky Conference that got 75% or more of their athletic budget subsidized from the school. Eastern Washington, uh, Northern Colorado. Cal Poly, certainly. Cal Poly was one. Cal Poly, and and, um, I believe NAU only because they have the uh, the student athletic fee. Okay. Regardless, Eastern Washington is in, they're in the worst spot of anybody in the league because if you want to stay competitive, you have to spend the money. If you continue to be competitive, you'd hope that then you could make more money. They haven't. There's been this promise of this gateway project of expanding their football stadium because where they're at right now is they do pack the house where they're at most of the time, especially when they're good. The Bo Baldwin years, the last five Bo Baldwin years, they were filling that stadium up. It's still only 10,000 people. Yeah. So you're not making any money at the gate. That combined with the fact that they have absolutely the lowest endowment of any college athletic department I've ever seen. They have an $8 million endowment. That's it. That's crazy considering that you'd think that even if you just raised money from the guys who played pro football from Eastern Washington, you'd think you could get more than $8 million worth of donations, but they haven't. Mm -hmm. And so to stay competitive, you have to spend money. But if there is no money, if you're not making any money, it puts you in this horrific spot. And now... You know their success actually shot them in the foot because it, say that Eastern Washington would have won the Big Sky Tournament and gone to the NCAA tournament in men's basketball. Well, they don't get that. They won't. They don't get the money for winning the tournament and going to the NCAA tournament. That could have given them a little bit of a boost. The fact that they're coming off of a year where they missed the playoffs in football. Okay, now and you have question marks with the program. You're going to probably see a little bit of reduced revenue at the gate, anyways. How's that going to be affected though moving forward? And then you have the faculty, which has mounted this gigantic petition saying, if you guys are raising money for this gateway project to expand the stadium, we're already subsidizing so much of your scholarships. The thing that Montana, Montana State have over everybody else in the league is they're able to at least raise all their scholarship money independently. So they're not trying to pull from university budget to then give scholarships to student athletes. The student athletes are getting scholarships that are raised by the Bobcat Club or the Grizzly Scholarship Association. And Eastern Washington, that's not the case either. So now all of a sudden, you're it seems as if athletes are getting special treatment. Even though athletes, in my opinion, at Eastern Washington, it's one of the things that brings students to school. The the red field, the success in football, it's helped their enrollment grow, certainly. But when you have the faculty then yelling and screaming and saying, hey, we have budget cuts across campus. We're, we have people getting laid off and losing jobs. And we're still pouring money into athletics. It's just basic business, right? I mean, if you have an entity where you're subsidizing this thing 75%, and there's really no end in sight to, to how that's going to get any better. Mm-hmm. I mean, they can't make any more money. They have good attendance for what their venues are at the in the revenue sports. There's just no more room to put anybody. But also, if you do expand, how many more people are going to come? And so, to me, they are they're a big-time athletic department in their success. They're a small-time athletic department in their operation, and that's why they're stuck. Um there's there's three ways basically that an athletic department broadly takes in revenue. Am I right about this? One is through the revenue they generate at the sports, the ticketing, 
and right. and sale, you know, clothing sales, contracts with, you know, broadcasting rights and those sorts of things. So it's the it's the generated funds from the athletic department itself. Two is from the university, uh, the, 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 the academic side or the institutional side, I guess I'll say, and whether it's through things like student fees or just earmarked funds that come into the university that are filtered to athletics as a portion of what the university is to meet their budgets. And then the third is through donors. The third is through donations. I don't know how the breakdown normally is. I'm sure it varies widely from school to school in terms of percentages and all of that kind of thing. Here's what I would say. Clearly, Eastern Washington, what they're generating as an athletic department, I think has to be it's not going to be as good as it is at a Montana or Montana State, right. but it's going to be just fine relative to the rest of the Big Sky Conference and even right, but better but than you have, many of but, those schools. But you have so much higher expenses. I, well, what do you – I mean, higher expenses in what Because way? you're pouring more resources into maintaining your competitive programs. If you want to just – I mean, for example, Northern Colorado has one-third of the fans Eastern Washington has. They also give one-third of a care. That's why they're in the bottom of the Big Sky Conference. Sure. No, and I, I understand that, but I'm just saying, like, if – just taking on a whole, they they are their revenue generation isn't the problem. It's not like they need more fans. To your point, in in football, a lot of times they can't even get more fans because they're they're full or or close to it. But even if they had a twenty thousand person stadium, they're not going to draw twenty thousand people to their games uh, at this point in time. What their situation is coming from the a- academic side, which is where most of the money comes from. Clearly, there's there's been much debate and ink spilt about the right way or what's what's worth it, how much money is worth going to these programs and so on and so forth. Right. But the place that it seems like they are not getting anything done is in the donation category. Totally. And the the reality of donations for across the board, sports or otherwise, any nonprofit will tell you, they're going to generate 80% of their budget from their top 20% of their donors and maybe even more skewed than that, that your 90% of your budget might come from 10% of your donors right. or one donor, depending on right. who those donors are. Right. And certainly the University of Montana has benefited greatly, explicitly from several major donors yep. and donations that they have received. And Montana State, they, they raised $18 million and they've started breaking ground on this thing. But that's not also to mention the Montana State raised over $375 million during Wadid Cruzado's capital campaign as well. So they have so much money for the, for the for university. university. Yep. And that's so, why you see, you know, the new engineering building, the new business school. That's right. And so that, I mean, depending on the scale that it happens, donation can make up most of your budget or very little. Now, often donations are project-based. I get that. Yep. Okay. So I, you know, I, if, if, if you don't have a thing where, you know, your name gets to go on it, or this is the end goal, it's, you know, just giving us money so that we can operate. Isn't that compelling a speech to give? I understand that, but also you have to have it. And like you said, with an athletic department that has produced such great athletes, some professional athletes and, has a lineage and a history now to some extent. The fact that there isn't or doesn't appear to be the level of donation that you'd like to see, you go, well, you know, what's going on here? Because that that seems like something that they could certainly use and should be able to garner. Gus, the first meal I had outside my own home following the quarantine was at your house. Brought over a bunch of meat. I brought over my Alpine Touch, but I didn't bring it home. I forgot it at your place. 
Our first meal was made better, as every meal is made better, by Alpine Touch on basically everything. I put Alpine Touch hickory smoke on my cereal in the morning. <laughs> it's it's reached that level of usage. And the fact that you left it, I knew that you left it at my house. You brought it over, left it at my house. And like a real jerk, I said nothing to you because I was like, well, that's mine, dude. That's it. You came to my house. You left it in my house. And I'm eating all of it. We've gotten so far into this Alpine Touch obsession, I think, that I actually think we might be able to host a podcast about all the things that you can make with Alpine Touch. It would be short. Everything. (laughs) They have a bunch of different varieties of spices, as we know. Uh, They are local from the state of Montana. Shoto, shout out, original Alpine Touch. And it's great when it's not just local, when it's not just supporting the state of Montana, but when it's also actually the best thing that you can get. I mean, when it comes to spices, uh, it's second to none. So, boys and girls, use your Alpine Touch. Colter, tell them where they can get it. AlpineTouch.com, no matter where you're at in the entire world listening to this, if you are in the United States of America and you make an order of over $50, which, you know, if you get yourself the Grand Slam and maybe some barbecue sauce, some sunflower seeds, you're there. Free shipping anywhere in the United States of America right now. Uh, so go to AlpineTouch.com. They're rolling out all their summer Big Mountain flavor packages. The sunflower shoots are really, really good as well. Alpine Touch has got you covered. Alpine Touch, Montana's special spice. We've seen it in Missoula quite a bit with the decline in enrollment over the last 10 years at the University of Montana and then the subsequent faculty cuts and you know budget adjustments. And we've heard the cries many times. How and why is the University of Montana building this glowing $13 million champion center when people are losing their jobs? Why is the University of Montana building this new academic center attached to the Adams Center when people are losing their jobs? Why is there a new softball stadium? Why is there new turf for the for the soccer field? Well, you could, the, the answer is so simple, and it, it remains. You cannot complain about it because it is privately funded, fundraised money where the Washington brothers... Danny Washington's sons say, we're giving $7 million to the Champion Center. That's explicitly the only thing that the money will be used for. You can't just say, well, hey, donor, we're going to just give it to the education department. You can't. The problem with Eastern Washington is not only can they not raise money for sports, they don't have any money. They're not raising money for anything else. Mm-hmm. And this is where when you are subsidized at 78% like they are, this is where the academic side of campus really does have you in a stranglehold. Right. Because everything is evolving. The budget's the same. The University of Montana can say, okay, if you don't want to subsidize us whatsoever, Montana State can say the same thing because I think they're about 45% subsidized. They, them and Montana are the only two that are under 50% in the league. They can say, okay, well, even if you cut all of that subsidization, we still have this money over here that is ours to do whatever we want with. Whereas Eastern Washington, that amount of money is almost irrelevant. You can't you can't live up to Title IX and offer the amount of sports that you're required to offer by the NCAA with that little money. And so then when you look at what they're talking about, I mean, this article from the the Inlander, which is the the Spokane Weekly, this is a a high-level administrator saying, we can be a university without housing as we know it, even without dining, we're considering it. But you're not going to cut the dining halls and the dorms if you have a football team that doesn't make money. This is a really bad situation for Eastern Washington because, to me, the simplest and remove yourself from the sports world, the simplest and least egregious thing you can cut is football. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying they're going to cut football, 
But if you if they were to drop to D2 and join the Great Northwest Athletic Conference, now you're going from 63 scholarships to 30 scholarships. You're saving yourself 33 scholarships worth of money. And you're also taking away 33 scholarship athletes, so then you can also subsequently cut women's sports that don't make any revenue whatsoever because you don't have to abide by Title IX. It's not a you good... You do have to abide by it, but not abide right, right, by right, right, right. scholarships. By the Division One standards, by offering yes. a certain amount of sports and offering equal amounts of scholarships. Right. I mean... The most damning line in this article is we're not deciding what to give a haircut to. We're deciding which arm we can live without. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a very a very difficult situation. This is, again, going back to the article, uh, uh, you know, about a month ago uh, in which Lynn Hickey, the athletic director there, said uh, they have chosen not to fill some open administrative positions to cut costs. They are not operating with a ticket manager or a social media manager. They've also had many people from internal athletics leave for different positions, mm-hmm. unfilled. So, you know, it's 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 kind of a skeleton crew. The thing that I'm the thing though that I'm still a little bit trying to understand. Like a lot of this was brewing at Eastern Washington prior to coronavirus. The exasperation financially that this is going to have on athletic departments has not yet occurred. We don't know the extent to which it will occur, but to be frank, in many schools, this is this has saved them money. It has. Track teams didn't need to travel right. this this right. spring. Sure, that, that's just out the door dollars. But that's still only saving you like ten thousand dollars. It's not. It's not a lot of money. But my point is, is that no money has been lost, and in fact, if you anything, it's it's been saved or gained because of this. And so then, citing this as, you know, if this is a projection, I understand it. But right. if you're telling me that today this is the issue, well, then this was the issue well before totally coronavirus. But but the thing is, what do we know about? I mean, right now with with the pandemic. Every epicenter is completely and utterly different, right? Yeah. But Washington, and with Seattle being one of the most afflicted areas, mm-hmm. combined with the state government in Washington, Washington itself has been the most strict state in our region and one of the most strict states in the country in terms of all of the directives and litigation that has gone into managing the way people operate in this pandemic. Eastern Washington, I mean, it's a, it's a directional school that's a state school, that's not Washington and Washington State, right? It's not the flagship. It's not the land grant. It's just the directional school, right? Mm-hmm. That plays into so many different dynamics. Far more people have great pride in their degrees from Idaho and Idaho State than Eastern Washington. That's why your endowment's low. You look at the degrees that Eastern emphasizes. I mean, it's it's a teacher school. Mm-hmm. They have a good journalism program. You're not getting wealthy multi-millionaire businessmen out of Eastern Washington. There has been a few, and there's been some really successful people from Eastern Washington. Jim, sure. McEl- Jim McElwain being one, Colin Coward being one. You know, Multiple guys that have gone on and played in the NFL. But still, there's not that same tie. You could have gone to Idaho State and never had Idaho State be good at anything, and you still, I'm a bangle for life. I love it. You, so that, I think that has a huge impact in it, but also they draw so heavily from the Seattle-Tacoma area. And how many kids right now are saying, well, I'm just not going to go to school this year. I'm going to just wait for this thing to calm down. Or I'm going to find a way to go to school online. Or I'm going to find a way to go to school at my local community college. Everything that hurts enrollment, we've seen at the University of Montana. Again, Montana's enrollment has dipped by 10,000 students since I was in school there. The athletic budget has not gone down because it still continues to make money. The school can't hinder athletics 
and make decisions that affect athletics if you're somewhat sustainable. When you're not sustainable, then if Eastern Washington's enrollment goes from 15,000 to 10,000, I guarantee you it's going to mess up sports. Yeah. Because you because the institution has so much control over athletics, it's going to it's going to really hurt them uh, across the board. Stu Tell New Orleans 1029 ESPN Radio. How much of this one of the reasons there's such a fervor for college athletics, I think the central reason there's a fervor for college athletics is because fans of college athletics share personal identities with their teams. Right. They consider themselves to be Michigan yes. men or right. women, right? right. Or, the, right. you know, I'm a Grizz. I'm a Bobcat. Like right. It's not just this is the team. I People don't say I'm a People will say I'm a Broncos fan. Sure. Rarely will they say I'm a Bronco. Right. But when it's college, they will. It will be a self identifier. I'm a fill in the blank of the university because you know why they are in many instances. They went through that school. They spent the time there, and if they had a great experience with it, not the least of which was going to games, tailgating games, hanging out, you know, whatever it might be, then then this all gets bound up in it. But also, it's not equitable from school to school. And in Cheney, Washington, mm-hmm. where Eastern Washington is the only thing that's really going on, right. you certainly can build that from a school standpoint. But there you isn't can't. the sustainability, or the, 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 there isn't the, the community tie that makes it all go. Like, almost anyone at the university is an import. From somewhere, yes, at Eastern Washington, a- absolutely, absolutely, and and can leave at any time and do leave all the time. Yes, living in Ellensburg, Washington, Central Washington University has a very similar dynamic to Eastern Washington, except for the fact is that the city that you can just go hang out in every weekend in Cheney is Spokane, and it's ten minutes away. Right, Ellensburg is still only you know a le- little less than an hour and a half from Seattle, but I mean I remember. When I was living in Ellensburg, I was 23 and 24 years old. I just got out of college. So I was like, well, cool. I'm going to live in a college town. I'm going to make all these cool college friends. There ain't nobody there. There's nobody to hang out with on the weekends. They all go to Seattle. All of them. All the time. That's how Eastern Washington is as well. So these commuter schools, it's just so hard to build you know, the, the, the loyalty to the school whatsoever. I mean, there is a thought that if Eastern was to cut sports or, or diminish sports, it, it's, it's the chicken or the egg here, right? If enrollment's continue to go down and you have budget cuts across the board, then you got to look at all avenues of campus. If you're subsidized at this high of a level, but on the other hand, cutting sports might then take away a lot of the kids that would have gone there anyways. So then where are you at? I mean, there's so many kids that come there from around Washington and maybe their, their best buddy comes with them or their girlfriend comes with them or you know whatever. They want to go there because they heard about it because of Cooper cup. All this is just it's such a dire situation right now for Eastern Washington. And I think from a Montana perspective, here, here's the best way I could say this. There's way more people that are that are, have allegiances to Montana and Montana State that are alums or huge fans of the Grizz or the Bobcats. There's way more of those people that would be sad about Eastern Washington cutting football than their own alumni and fan base. Yeah, well, that's that's probably There's true. Tens of thousands of people that would say. Man, that sucks that Easter's not in the league anymore, and they all wear blue and gold or maroon and silver. Yeah, yeah. It's two telling Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio. All right, continue to, uh, you know, take a look at this and ongoing 
situations around the league, around the country. Uh, but uh, Eastern Washington may be the one, the first one to take a long look at it as it pertains to the financial side of this thing, especially. Two Tell Nuanas, one two nine ESPN Radio. Speaking of not playing, finances being a problem, and uh, poor leadership. Major League Baseball. Do I need to say anything more? Probably not. We'll talk about it right after this. Hey, the last few weeks, hmm, maybe the last couple of months, haven't been the greatest for various reasons. Does it feel like maybe is metaphorically maybe some poo on your shoe? Well, let let it just be metaphoric and not actual, okay? Because thanks to Montana Poover Scoopers, at least you can avoid the poo in your yard with their weekly dog pick waste removal. None of us want to deal with the dog waste in the backyard. So visit Montana Pooper Scoopers to find out how you can get set up for weekly waste removal or even just a one-time pickup if you need it. Service in Missoula and Lolo, Montana Pooper Scoopers takes care of the job no one in the family wants to do. MontanaPooperScoopers.com. Right now, mention this ad. Receive $25 off your initial service. Gus, the first meal I had outside my own home following the quarantine was at your house. Brought over a bunch of meat. I brought over my Alpine Touch, but I didn't bring it home. I forgot it at your place. Our first meal was made better, as every meal is made better, by Alpine Touch on basically everything. I put Alpine Touch hickory smoke on my cereal in the morning. <laughs> it's it's reached that level of usage. And the fact that you left it, I knew that you left it at my house. You brought it over, left it at my house. And like a real jerk, I said nothing to you because I was like, well, that's mine, dude. That's it. You came to my house. You left it in my house, and I'm eating all of it. We've gotten so far into this Alpine Touch obsession, I think, that I just think we might be able to host a podcast about all the things that you can make with Alpine Touch. It would be short. Everything. (laughs) They have a bunch of different varieties of spices, as we know. Uh, They are local from the state of Montana. Shoto, shout out, original Alpine Touch. And it's great when it's not just local, when it's not just supporting the state of Montana, but when it's also actually the best thing that you can get. I mean, when it comes to spices, uh, it's second to none. So, boys and girls, use your Alpine Touch. Colter, tell them where they can get it. AlpineTouch.com, no matter where you're at in the entire world listening to this, if you are in the United States of America and you make an order of over $50, which, you know, if you get yourself the Grand Slam and maybe some barbecue sauce, some sunflower seeds, you're there. Free shipping anywhere in the United States of America right now. Uh, so go to AlpineTouch.com. They're rolling out all their summer Big Mountain flavor packages. The sunflower shoots are really, really good as well. Alpine Touch has got you covered. Alpine Touch, Montana's special spice. What's wrong? You've been asking, but I don't have an answer. How come? I'm still thinking, let's pretend to fall. This is where people's short memories benefit the lunatics. It's two telling the one is one of two nine ESPN radio, SWX Montana Television at Gus Tutel. That's me. That's Skyline Sports MT over here for all your up to the moment Big Sky Conference sports news and at one of two nine ESPN on Twitter. Follow along uh, as you would like to, Coulter. Major League Baseball is 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 um, 
is w- giving us less hope by the day. Oh, I had no hope once I read the Max Scherzer statement. Okay. Uh, for the rest of us, uh, there's still hope remaining. In fact, I'm still, well, I'll ask you this in a minute, okay? But Rob Manfred, who, he's the commissioner, so he's supposed to be, I mean, he's not supposed to be, he is the face of baseball uh, in terms of, you know, administrative in administration and authority, but also he is on a side of this. And when you talk about the owners versus the players and, and the negotiations going on between Major League Baseball and the Major League Baseball Players Association, Rob Manfred is with the owners. He right. is employed by the owners. So right. what he says is, in theory, supposed to be for baseball in total, and he speaks for baseball in total, but in a negotiation settlement, he is... There's one there's one group of people who wants him there and are paying him to be there, and that is the ownership. So that's why the Roger Goodell uh, scrutiny has always been so fascinating to me because I think there's a misperception of what a commissioner does. I think that David Stern and Adam Silver have really skewed what people think that professional sports commissioners can and should do because they have both in the NBA been unbelievable liaisons and guys that have promoted the game in all elements and they work for more than just the owner they work for the growth and the state of the game that's awesome but it's also not required Roger Goodell's had so much scrutiny for all the actions he's taken in the NFL but at the end of the day if you're talking about just working as the if you're talking about as working the uh working for the owners Roger Goodell actually does his job almost flawlessly I mean part of what he's being paid 40 Eight million dollars a year yep. to do is to be scrutinized in their place. Exactly, and, and as long as he keeps bringing them them t- the TV checks and the revenue sharing checks, they don't care any of the decisions. So that he makes. here's I'll give you two things. Okay, first of all, if you really wanted to move the needle as a fan base, here's where I think the feet need to be held to the fire. We see the players, okay, say what they say, and by the way. The two most prominent players in the league, Mike Trout and Bryce Harper, yep. both today, Trout was retweeting a statement from the the, the Players Association uh, representative, Clark, okay? And then that was retweeted by Bryce Harper, and it said the exact same line, tell us when and where. That's it. Tell us when and where, a.k.a. we'll be there. Stop with all of this. We're ready to play. Tell us when and where. That's That's – Three quarters of a billion dollars talking <laughs> between those and, two. And the only two relevant players in the game today. Is it, it, yeah, maybe. I mean, that's the saddest part, right? Though it is not. I don't even agree with your premise. But in any case, here's where you want to hold the feet to the fire. In football, if I asked you to name every NFL owner you know, you could rattle off a list of a handful, sure. eight, ten, maybe, yep. maybe yep. more. Yep. Basketball, same thing. Yep. The only baseball owner that I can come up on with the top of my head is Thomas Ricketts, who owns the Cubs, my Cubs. <laughs> These are they are as faceless and anonymous a group of, of billionaires yeah, running crazy. the show as you're ever going to find. And you know why pe- people I've tried to been figured out why, why are people holding the players accountable? You know why? Because they know who the players are. Right. If if they would go through the 
pomp and circumstance of taking to things like social media and Twitter to put pressure on that group of people. What are you doing? What is a matter with you? Show us the numbers. Show us the the, the, the tax forms, whatever it is, your revenue projections, and stop hiding behind the shroud and rolling Rob Manfred out there to answer every question. Now, is that going to happen? Is, are there, is there enough passion and organization in Major League Baseball fans to actually bring the face of the of of the owners to the fore where they're the ones who have to deal with the scrutiny because you said before and I agree with you why why are they why are they taking this opportunity to perhaps ruin baseball for for no good reason other than a few dollars which they're going to lose anyway because they don't care but you they know don't what care. they don't care but you know what they would care if they thought that they were the ones that were mm. going to be on the hook for it. It's so true. Where if 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 all of a sudden it wasn't Rob Manfred and whoever, you know, the, the, the liaison for the Major League Baseball players is that are the guys that are out there being being on SportsCenter and everything else. But the losing of fans that aren't – we, we talk about this all the time, the regionalization of baseball. You and I might not know who the owner of the Seattle Mariners is, but the people – that follow the Mariners that live in that metropolitan area certainly do. That's right. And they will hate that person. They they will they will to an extent, but it's not it's still not up to the level of a revolt in your own town around your own team is is less than the national critique, I guess is what I'm saying. Sure. Except for when you're not a nationally relevant sport. That's exactly right, because th- that critique isn't going to come because it's so uh, pixelated right. and regionalized and everything else in, oh, in Major League Baseball. I have the list of owners in front of me. This is actually fascinating. I actually know, a co- I, I still don't know very many. Peter Angelos of the Baltimore Orioles. He's owned the Baltimore Orioles since Cal Ripken played for the Orioles. Jerry Reinsdorf still owns the Chicago White Sox. Larry Dolan still owns the Cleveland Indians. Those guys have all been around for a long time. Uh, Arturo Moreno, I remember when he bought the Angels and then changed them to the Los Angeles Angels. Hal Steinbrenner, you only know him because of who his father was. Yeah. And that's it. Those are the only owners that the I know. So, so, so yeah. five. Five owners. The others, I have no idea who any of these people are. Um, I know we want to be optimistic about this. I just think that these guys are such idiots. And I just think that it's... I, I told you, when, when, when Blake Snell came out with his video... Uh, saying, you know, why would I want to play for these guys? These guys don't care if I even get coronavirus. That you know, they've told me that we're going to just play through it. And then they t- start talking about the budget cuts, and I mean, they're just arguing so much. I have thought for weeks that it wasn't going to happen, and I, I think it's even more. I, I still believe that. I think that we have no baseball. What percentage chance that we do have baseball? What percentage chance? I think zero. I mean. If you think zero, then you know this. That seems like an estimation. I mean, I understand what what you're doing is you're it's a binary selection. You're saying I don't think we're having baseball, therefore it's zero because that would be no baseball. But saying you don't think there's baseball means that you think there's some chance that it could happen, right? I don't think there's any chance that we will have baseball. Seventy-eight percent chance that we have baseball. Still, yes. And let me tell you why. I told you to I, to lead this segment that the uh, the short term memory of all of us of the fans is working to benefit these thirty anonymous people 
uh, these owners and so forth, because this is the, this is what will happen. I promise you. Mm-hmm. If baseball comes back in any form or fashion, even if it's forty-eight games and into a playoff, the general reason that will be given and accepted is the pandemic, which has shut everything down. Right. And all of this bickering that has happened will be a blip because the thing came back and people won't care. If it goes away altogether, then it is a catastrophe. And it's not yet a catastrophe. It's it's the the, the negotiations, you can call them disastrous. Maybe it's bad a bad harbinger for the future because they have to negotiate an actual CBA coming up in like a year. And that's the thing but, is, is I think but, if they, I think that that's the biggest domino here is I think if they do figure it out this summer, then that bodes at least sort of optimistically about being able to figure it out in the winter. If they don't figure it out this summer, I think that we're not going to have baseball this year or next year. No, you're wrong about that. And let me tell you why you're wrong about that. If the owners are being honest, which I don't have a huge... I mean, why would that happen now? Why would what happen? Why would the owners ever just start being honest? How are they ever going to backtrack on... Let me just finish my... If they're being honest about the fact, or their their so-called fact, that playing baseball will lose them money because of not having fans in the stadium, Mm -hmm. whether I buy their numbers, which I don't, it seems it they're they're digging their heels in on this does align with the idea that they have decided that this is a financial loss for them to play baseball. Okay, next year that won't be the case. It will be a financial gain for them to play baseball, and thus their motivation to in fact play it will be much higher than what it is right now. Where they would, I don't know that they want to collapse the season because I think they understand that in the long run that also loses them money, even if in the short run it actually saves them something. But I do think that they want to truncate it as much as they can to make that loss as small as it can be to get absolutely every penny they can from the players so that then they can still play the season and go, look, we had baseball, we figured it out, okay, all's well with the world. They get to line their pockets as best they can, and then next year when the CBA is, both parties are motivated to figure it out. But I do think this sows the seeds of, you know, disenfranchisement, of of distrust, and that will be harder to overcome later. But for the time being, if baseball can figure it out and get onto the field, which I think that they will, then from a fan's perspective, this is all water under the bridge and just what you had to go through in order to get there. That's it. I think maybe it'll be water under the bridge for hardcore baseball fans, but fringe baseball fans, I think, are already over it. I don't think so. I, I think I. Th- this is the first time as I, again. This is a good time. Robert Chase from the Trail One Hundred Three Three. Yep, is the program director and and, uh, and DJ on the Trail, our sister station, who uh, we love, is not just a Cardinals fan, but he is a baseball devotee and is a historian of it. And we talk a lot about long gone summer because he was living in Chicago of all places as a Cardinals fan during the the summer of 1998 that baseball season watched uh, the Cubs and Cardinals both during that year Sosa and McGuire we have a nice long conversation about a lot of things uh, but th- this is the first time in my lifetime uh, that 
we will we are not having sports obviously in general and specifically mm-hmm. ba- not the first time in my lifetime it happened in 1994 in this sure. but i but it didn't affect me cuz i'm a kid at that time sure. 13 years old my point is is all the consternation that i have about this and i do and it's judgment directly at the owners for me almost exclusively at the owners yeah okay it will go away when baseball comes back, and I will watch it when baseball comes back. I absolutely will. And I'll, I'm actually looking more forward to it now than I would have been if it would have been opening day in, in, in March. Yeah, I mean, one one point worth noting feedback from a listener, they, owners are digging their feet in because they think that the price point that gets them to where they want to be is 50 games. So they can drag it because if you could just debate and – go back and forth on this thing and, and you're wasting time. You're not wasting time if you're still only going to play a 50-game season. That's right. If you just want to push the thing back as far as you can to get as short a season as you can, then you just sit here and you make ridiculous demands that you know will not be, you know, accepted and you you drag it out as long as you can. I mean, here, and then you play a season. Here's one thing worth considering, though, too. Two months ago, when we were all in this complete state of disarray from being quarantined and wondering if the world was ending as we know it, Wondering if sports were ever going to come back. I think that people were just voracious for sports. They had, they needed to watch it. And one thing that I've learned about myself, and I think I share this with many people that are listening to this show, is we truly are addicted to sports. If you're a huge sports fan, you're addicted to watching sports. I don't watch TV. I only watch sports. It's the only thing I turn on the TV for is to watch sports. Yep. Well, now that I haven't turned on the TV to watch literally anything except for maybe sports documentaries, that craving has been curbed quite a bit. If you would have asked me two months ago, how stoked are you that baseball might be coming back? Do you want to watch baseball every night? I would say yes. Now, I don't care. When baseball comes back, I don't care. I do not care. I'm not going to be What about so, when the NBA comes back? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll watch it a little bit, I think, but I've, I've adjusted my life to the where I'd just rather do other things. No. You will watch every single night in the I, NBA I, I, all I, I, the way through. No, I will not. I, 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 I Bet me. I will not go out of my way to watch a regular season NBA game. All eight of them? I, I just... I I don't find myself scheduled... I, I, if you told me... If you're like, man, you want to play golf tonight? And I, I say, I would never say to you, no, I want to watch the Blazers-Pelicans game. No chance. I'll play golf. Well... That I believe, but that's also just a stronger addiction than the other. Well, hundred percent. But but when you just replace <laughs> things, I mean, like I just have no care to watch baseball. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I, that's their fault because they had us. They had us. They had all of us back. Maybe they, maybe they did. Maybe they did. I, I I'm not sure, but I'm just thinking that the if you know at the point where it's there again. All it takes is one good game, and then you're just back in it again. I just think it all just sort of goes away. Sutel Nuanas, 102.9 ESPN Radio. We'll take a quick break on the other side. Who's on the cover of Madden for 2021, and is it a problem? Does it spell disaster? I'm not so sure. Coulter is certain of it. We'll get to that right after this. Coulter, there's a brand-new tap house open on the corner of Higgins and South, right there where the uh, original Hoagieville used to be. It's called the Camby Tap House. Tell them about it. I mean, you know, would you would you would you agree that I am a a beer snob? Among other th- snobbish things, <laughs> certainly beer is on the list. Do you know any bigger beer snobs than me besides my brother? Your brother, yeah. <laughs> <That's it. 
So I'll tell you this. <laughs> Cammy t- he, he, he's a, he sells beer Snobbish for Snobbish is the negative way to say it. N- knowers of the craft sure. is also a way to no, say no, it. No question. No question. But I'll, I'll tell you this. As someone that enjoys not just beer, but high-quality, really good craft beer from not just Montana, but from around the country and even around the world, Cammy Taphouse has one of the best beer lists that I've ever seen in Western Montana. Uh, they have some stuff that right now, they have the 60-minute IPA, which is from Doghead Fish, which is a Delaware brewery. Mm-hmm. Dogfish Head, excuse me, Delaware brewery. I mean, this is an Imperial IPA that you're not going to get anywhere else in Missoula. They have, you know, they have the Stay West American IPA from Breakside Brewery. Delicious. They have the 40th Anniversary IPA from Sierra Nevada. I mean, these are... These are beers you're not going to find on tap anywhere else in Missoula. It's an awesome place. Multiple stories. You can sit outside both downstairs and upstairs. You look right out over Mount Sentinel. Conveniently located. So go check out Canby Tap House today. And don't forget to ask them about their Crowler specials, too. They're offering those Crowlers, the the, the sealed-to-go beers. Great for the river, I'm not saying. I mean, great saying. for anything, man. Mm-hmm. Talk about just go grab one of those and then go play yourself at Twilight Night. That's about as good as it gets. $9 specials on Crowlers. Uh, in the evenings as well. So go check out Camby Tap House right there on the corner of Higgins and South in Missoula. Camby Tap House, a gathering place for everyone. Coulter, during this time where we got to be a little bit socially distanced, it's nice to know we can get out on the links and play a little bit of golf. And nobody better than Western Birch to get your round started right. That's right, golf's been definitely one of my favorite pastimes during quarantine times. I just recently landed my new Western Birch customized golf tees. Go check out Western Birch golf tees at westernbirch.com. These classy golf tees are made of 100% white birch hardwood and printed with high-quality color right here in the United States. A company founded right here in Montana. These durable wood golf tees, perfect way for you to market your business. Just think, anytime you break a tee, your brand is sitting on the tee box forever. You can hand them out to your clients, your buddies, your golf partners, whoever. Great way to earn top-of-mind awareness while also playing a sport we all love. Again, you can check out all the cool designs online at westernbirch.com. Add your logo on a 1,000 of any of their tees for $150 delivered to your door. Give them to clients, friends. Watch them get impressed by the quality of the look of a simple golf tee and by your creativity. Give Western Birch the opportunity to show you what they are talking about. Email and ask for Chad at info at westernbirch.com, info at westernbirch.com, or follow on Instagram and Facebook, westernbirch.com. Just assume it's going to go bad because you already think that he's accident prone. That's what's going on. It's two telling me one is one of two nine ESPN Radio SWX Montana Television. If you missed anything in the show today, check it out on the podcast. The two telling me one is podcast available on all your favorite podcasting platforms. Rate, review, subscribe. We appreciate that very much. You can uh, check out podcast thanks to our friends at Blackfoot and Alpine Touch. Uh, Coulter, you guessed it. You didn't even know it, and you knew it. You guessed it right. 
I mean, it could only really be two or three players, right, that were going right. to be on the cover of Madden 2021. It is, in fact, Baltimore Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson. We know this comes with a significant history, uh, the curse, as it were, of injury to those players, although not ev- some players just like ended up just not being very good when they were on the cover, not necessarily in, uh, re- resulting in injury or whatever. But Lamar Jackson being on the cover of this thing, I mean, people are just you know, just terrified that this kid is just not you know he's going to run himself and hit get a hit and that's going to be that and he's going the season's going to be over somewhere along the line as a result of something like this. Do you think this in fact increases his chances of injury being on the cover of a video game? I wrote a I wrote a long piece about the history of the cover jinx between Sports Illustrated and Madden when I was in journalism school at the University of Montana. And there really is no way to explain it, but in my study of, I mean, Sports Illustrated has been around since the early 60s, and Madden players have been appearing on the cover. The first player to ever appear on the cover was, do you know? Of Madden? Of Madden. What year was it? Well, so Madden came out in 1998, or 1988, excuse me, but John Madden was on the cover for uh, all the way until 2000, who was the first player on the cover. Calvin Johnson? Uh, now in 2000, Eddie George was Eddie George. Okay, yep. but seventy, I think it was seventy-two percent of people that were on the cover of Sports Illustrated and/or Madden had either a incredibly down year the following year and/or suffered a detrimental injury. How do you explain that? I don't know, but it seems like an incredibly significant percentage. A lot of times, I mean, with a guy like Lamar Jackson, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. That's unfortunate to say. With a guy like any guy who's playing professional 100%, football. but especially a guy like Lamar Jackson because he puts himself in position to get hurt more. He's in the open field a lot more. You can't catch him, but if you can, it's going to be an even bigger hit because he's going so fast too, and he's not that big of a guy. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I so what I'm saying is that if he gets hurt this year, it's not to me. It's a coincidence. It's not just Lamar Jackson got hurt because he's on the Madden cover. It's Lamar Jackson got hurt because he plays in the NFL. That's all I wanted to hear you say. That it's merely coincidental. Do you know who's on the last Madden cover? Well, Mahomes, Mahomes was last year, but do you know who's on two years ago? Was it Gronk? Not Antonio Brown. Hmm. But then Gronk, yep, he had his injury-prone year. Odell Beckham got hurt. No, Antonio Brown, though, had a good year the year he was on Madden. Uh, right? A good year. <laughs> he had a good year statistically. Well, yes. It was the first revelation, though, of his uh, building and um, never-ending insanity. I think that he... I still want an explanation on Antonio Brown. <laughs> okay. We do... We'll do this a different time. Yeah, I mean, I just I just think that so many guys have done a lot worse in terms of what their actions have been. I get that Antonio Brown has gone a little bit crazy, but I, he hasn't committed many crimes. I mean, I know that he has this, this civil lawsuit going, and I'm not trying to stand up for him in any form or fashion when it comes to that. There's just a lot of guys that are playing football, and Antonio Brown's not, and it's, it's, it's very perplexing to me. Um, I think that uh, – has there ever been a double – Madden cover. There has. One year, Troy Polamalu and um, Larry Fitzgerald. Oh, oh, they were on together. Okay, but here's what I want. What, here's what I mean. Has a guy ever been on it twice? Has there ever been a repeat player on the cover of Madden? I do not believe so, no. Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson have to be that guy. I mean, right. th- these two kids are on the cover of Madden 
Yeah. In in the first two to three years of their career. Yeah, it's also an interesting thing since it's only been players on the cover for 20 years. Because some guys, like Brett Favre was on a Madden cover, but it was in his 17th season in the NFL. It was like Madden 2010, and Brett Favre's been... 46 years old. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Like Tom Brady didn't get on a Madden cover until 2018. That's He's been right. in the league for 20 years. That's right. So, but it's, I mean, you know, it's for the kids. They're, they're the ones playing Madden. It's a much bigger deal to Lamar Jackson than it is to Tom Brady. Pat Mahomes, 23 years old, 24, you kidding me? Boys and girls, thanks for being with us. We look forward to being back with you tomorrow. Robert Chase joining us on the ESPN Roundtable. Stick around for that or be back with us for that tomorrow. We'll see you then on ESPN Radio. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia? When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org.